And now the super genius, Mark Madden. S.G. Hola, good sir. Hola. Hey, Mark, how you doing? My solution is give me my cake and eat me too. The X at 105.9. <laughs> The Steelers lose Sunday, they definitely won't make the playoffs. So that's all that has to happen. The Steelers just have to beat New England. Mike Tomlin is two and seven against New England. Ben Roethlisberger is three and six against New England. But I wouldn't let that bother you. New England is vulnerable. They lost last week. Then again, the Steelers lost last week too. And that was their third loss in a row, but I wouldn't let that bother you. The kicker always misses. But they tried out new kickers. But they kept the old kicker. I wouldn't let that bother you. The crappy defense, the bad clock management, the mangling of the review process. I wouldn't let any of that bother you. It's just one game. Anybody could win one game. We choose not to live in our fears. It's the Patriots, Brady and Belichick, no big deal, just win. It's the Mark Madden Show, better late than never, 412-333. WXDX is the number to call, or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. The Penguins host Boston tonight at PPG Paints Arena. That's right across the street from some Chinese food place. On Wednesday... The Penguins lost to Chicago. It was more gruesome than a triple axe murder, but I wouldn't let that bother you. It's clean slate time. Let's move forward. How about a fresca, huh? Hmm? Uh, I see the logic of the Steelers starting Artie Burns. That was uh, a topic yesterday when the news broke. Artie Burns is a first-round talent. He hasn't played much in the last seven games, just 11 snaps on defense uh, during that stretch. He should be hungry. He should be motivated. But that logic aside, Artie Burns still sucks. But don't let that bother you. The Penguins looked terrible on Wednesday. Just awful, but I wouldn't let that bother you. They now play three straight games at home. Boston tonight, the LA Kings on Saturday and Anaheim on Monday. Hopefully that gets things pointed in the right direction. Casey DeSmith will be in goal tonight. That's odd. He hasn't started since, uh, excuse me, Matt Murray hasn't started since November 17th. If Murray's healthy, and he is, we're told, why won't Sullivan pull the trigger and put Murray in? I assume Murray plays tomorrow night against L.A., but if the number one job is up for grabs, if there's a competition going on between DeSmith and Murray, that's silly and totally ignorant of the big picture. I'm a big believer in Matt Murray, and I know for sure that the Penguins need him to find his form if they're going to accomplish anything, and he will not find his form watching Casey DeSmith play. 
Uh, the lines were a bit different at the morning skate. Pearson moved the line with Sid and Gensel. Malkin is with Kessel and Zach Aston Reese. I'm curious to see how Zach Aston Reese responds to that. Uh, he's been playing bottom six. I think he's capable of better. Now that he's getting that chance, let's see what he can do. Broussard is between Shane and Rust. Broussard better start being a good third-line center because that's what he's here for. Nobody gives a frig about his minutes or his contract year. Do the job you were brought here to do. It looks like JSD will be a scratch with his dumb. He's got speed, but they don't. They think they have enough and they're wrong. And then Ricola and Ruida will sit on defense. A again, I'm glad to see Zach Aston Reese get a shot at a top six spot. If you put him in the bottom six too long, he's going to turn into a bottom six guy, and he has more potential than that. Uh, Sully says Simone is week to week, and Hornquist is day to day. The L.A. Chargers are now 11-3 after beating Kansas City last night. L.A. scored last and went for two and won the game. Kansas City is also 11-3, like the Chargers, but uh, have a better division record, so the Chiefs are in first in the AFC West. That was gutsy by L.A. At Kansas City, touchdown with four seconds left, and then they get two. Big win. Everybody's debating uh, when you should go for two. Some are saying they would always go for two, but no, no, you wouldn't. But I'd go for two in that situation last night if I were either the underdog or on the road, and the L.A. Chargers were both. Uh, Kansas City has now lost two out of five. That is hardly a collapse, but maybe the Chiefs are fading. Uh, the L.A. Chargers are the flavor du jour, and just think, if the Steelers are lucky enough to win the division, they would host that juggernaut in the wild card round. But I wouldn't let that bother you. Uh, people are going nuts over this sports book at the Rivers Casino. I wonder what it's going to be like on NFL Sundays. That's the test. Will it be packed? Can they handle it? Is there enough room for everybody? Are there enough TVs where every game can be shown? There's always been sports gambling in Pittsburgh. But this sports book at the Rivers uh, makes it into more of an entertainment experience. By the way, that game last night was over-officiated and badly officiated, but aren't they all? I, I wouldn't let that bother you. Very sad news today. Uh, University of Pittsburgh football legend Bill Fralick passed away at 56 after a long battle with cancer. Uh, I covered Bill when he played high school ball at Penn Hills. Bill could have jumped right to the NFL from high school. He was that kind of talent. He had a wonderful career at Pitt and in the pros, and Bill was a good guy. Bill's going to be missed. He was larger than life. He did a ton for the Penn Hills High School football program. Even this year, he paid a lot of expenses for Penn Hills' trip to Hershey for states. Bill Fralick never forgot for one moment where he came from. I'm glad Bill got to see Penn Hills win states this year. I'm sure he loved that. Uh, if you have to go young, I'm sure Bill Fralick uh, thought that having witnessed that was the perfect way to do it. So, uh, Bill Fralick, uh, RIP, uh, sincere condolences to all his uh, friends and family. 
You should have seen the guy play high school football. It wasn't fair. He was a pancake machine. And then he got to college, and he was a pancake machine there, too. Second pick overall in the 85 draft, just just a stud football player. Uh, Bill Fralick was, was one of a kind. Uh, up next, the clock's out the window because the show's late start, so I'll pretty much do what I want when I want, even more so. So we got Craig Wolfley up next, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, check it out. Even as a kid, I was a super genius. I was the coolest white guy on the radio. (laughs) I think I'm the coolest guy, period, but what's up? The X at 105.9. Steelers host the Patriots. It is a big game. Uh, Never mind the teams involved, but the stakes are high. Joining me now to discuss, you can hear him on the sidelines on DVE during every Steeler game. He is Steelers offensive line legend Craig Wolfley. Uh, Wolf, for me, the big question is, how can the Steelers contain Gronk? Because I'll be honest, a guy that size, I just don't see an answer. You know, it does present a lot of difficulties. And part of what you've got to do is you've got to change coverages, obviously. Anything regular that you throw at Gronk in it, Tom Brady, I mean, there's nothing Brady hasn't seen. I mean, there's no defense that have come up in the last 19 years that you can sit there and say, wow, we, he'll never know, get, get this one straight. But what you've got to do also, and what I would love is, you know what, just take Bud Dupree, and every time that the Gronk lines up in line, put Bud over him and just mash him before he goes out on a pass. <laughs> you know, just somehow you've got to jam him. You can't let him free release. And I think if you could at least get a good jam on him and have, and change some coverages so you got different people that would pick him up from there. But at least be able to have somebody strong over him, jam him, delay his ability to get, you know, now and then, can't do anything all the time because that's something that Brady will take advantage of. But certainly the ability to get a good jam on him and hold him up for some, that that's a start. Hilton is out at slot corner, it looks like, and Artie Burns will start at the corner opposite Joe Hayden. Do either of those moves surprise you? Well, um, no, I, I expected at some time or other that Artie would get an opportunity to, to uh, come back and get something done. This is the same, I mean, it, not the same thing, but very similar. Like you think about James Washington. James Washington got sat down, um, you know, and then all of a sudden Justin Hunt, Hunter got, gets hurt. Well, the train came around quickly for James, another opportunity. Well, this is that same sort of train coming around with another opportunity for Artie Burns. And, uh, you know, you, you have an opportunity in the sense of you are better, at least in man coverage, than you are in some of the uh, zone coverages. So this is since, uh, you know, you might want to play a little, little more zone, or I'm sorry, a little more man against the Patriots. This is an opportunity for Artie to come back. Look, this is what you look for now. He's been in a position where things haven't really been going really copacetically for him. Well, this is an opportunity to get yourself out of uh, out of the, you know, sort of doghouse that you're in and get yourself back and get the job done. What about uh, Mike Hilton? Because I think he's having a pretty good year, but I guess his size can be a deterrent against a, a bigger receiving core like New England, especially with Gronk and Josh Gordon. Well, there's no problem yeah, no problem with that in the sense of I love when Mike Hilton got on Gronk last year. One time he lined up over him and jammed him at the scrimmage. I have to think that Gronk was looking at him at the line of scrimmage going, what is this? You know, but, uh, you know, Mike battled him right there and, and uh, they threw the ball to him and it was incomplete. And Hilton was all over him like a cheap suit. Um, I'm not sure how much Gronk noticed. 
<laughs> except when he knocked the ball away. But it really, you know, for, for Mike Hill, I think one of my, I don't, I'm not sure if he's battling an injury or something of that nature where, uh, you know, he's not, he's not been getting all the reps all week long. Brady gets the ball out so fast. How can the Steelers deal with that? Well, you know, I hear a lot of things. In the past, a lot of it has been you got to get him off his mark and make him move. He's so, you know, when you look at him and watch him on film, he, he moves and shuffles forward, backwards, to the left, to the right. Um, he's, he, he's not any less accurate. What you got to do is you got to hit him. You got, I mean, the guy's 41 years old. You can see when you get a free runner, uh, busting through a, a, a protection, he doesn't even try to escape. He just goes down. He folds up like a card table. Um, if you if you've got pressure coming near him, you can tell where now he falls a little bit away from the throw, and uh, you know, like a 41 year old might look like, uh, you know, getting battered a little bit. You've got to be able to put him down. One of the things I've always adhered to was I believe strongly in a um, a, th- a study they somebody's done. And when you take a good quarterback, an excellent quarterback, and you sack him or hit him hard five or more times, his accuracy rating goes down. And uh, I, I truly believe in that. You've got to make Tom eat some dirt. You've got to hit him some. Because at 41, I don't care if you say 40 is the new 30, that's still 41 years old. And that's the only thing I can think of that's going to make him double clutch or get rid of the ball early or be a little inaccurate is if you start making him eat dirt on a regular basis. Well, Wolf, I think uh, two things you said really add up, and they're easier said than done, but if you jam the receivers and get Brady off his mark a bit, a lot of their stuff's based on timing. That's where getting the ball out quick comes from, and maybe you disrupt that. There's no question. The, the, the ability to play press and to jam guys and play man here is going to be big, but again, you can't do anything on such a steady basis that Tom is able to um, pick you apart because he will pick anybody apart. You just go man all the time, he'll, he'll start bunching receivers. He'll start running the rub routes there. Um, you, you're going to get the crossing routes, and then you're going to have uh, issues there. If you go just strictly zone, then he's going to do the same thing like Phil Rivers was doing. So you've got to be able to mix it up. you got to play a couple different people on Gronk and see where you can get some success. And biggest thing of all, is you got to make Tom uh, eat some dirt. you got to knock him down and get after him. Now, he's only been sacked 18 times. Um, this is an offensive line, unfortunately, for the Steelers. It looks like they've, they've actually improved over last year because I thought last year's guy, the weakest part of that link on that offensive line was Joe Tooney. Well, Joe Tooney doesn't look like the weakest link. I mean, he's a 6'5", 308 guy, big guy, but he looks better this year like he's playing more solid. And then, of course, you got at the left tackle, Trent Brown, who is one of the biggest human beings, and certainly the biggest human being uh, Bill Belichick says he's ever coached. But at 6'8", 380, you figure, you know, with pads on and a breakfast, that's over 400 pounds. Yeah, Duke's <laughs> man, that's a lot of man. Now, is the Steelers' OI struggling a bit right now? Because there have been rumblings to that effect, especially when it comes to run blocking. Well, I think it's in the totals after the games will be. Take a look at the run block or the uh, running uh, totals. I mean, it's not where it should be. This is this line's too good not to run the ball more. No, I know we don't have James Conner. Uh, I know that we don't have Love Bell, but you still have Jalen Samuels. You still have Stephen Ridley. You still have people who are capable. And uh, you know, for this offensive line to have to get back and just go and and sit and you know, sixty times, fifty times pass protect. 
you know, one of the things that happens when you pass protect so much, it has a tendency to take some of the aggression out of you because you're in a retreat mode as you pass protect. You're always in a counterattack. And I would love to be able to say, let's get after this. Let's go and go after these guys and, and bang that rock for a while and see if we can't crack that rock. Be aggressive. Be nasty. Roll some guys back. And this is what I think this offensive line is capable of doing. No question in my mind, are they capable? But um, over the last three weeks, I, I just don't think the running game, the run blocking has been where it needs to be. And I think that the, the Patriots present an opportunity, not uh, not a great one. I mean, they're like 20th against the run. This is a, a, a defensive front that's okay. It's good. It's not world beater. You can get after these guys with Malcolm Brown and so forth. Trey Flowers is their, their top sacker at six, six and a half sacks. Um, but he's only, he's like six two two sixty five. You know what I mean? He's, He's not a huge guy. Um, I think you can get after these guys, and I think you can block them, but you have to come off with that desire to move that man, as the legendary Joe Moore once said. You know, you move a guy from A to B against his will. Well, I think that's what you got to do this weekend. Yeah, I think that's important too, Wolf. I think the Steelers need to regenerate a, a better running game because maybe Ben cannot score Brady, and maybe that's the, the name of the game, but maybe you can keep the ball away from Brady too. No question, and you're you're nailing it right there. The best success they've had was when they had a short passing game and a running tack back in 11 and Ben essentially outbraided Brady. They possessed the ball for nearly 40 minutes. The best defense is keeping Brady on the sidelines, having Brady sit there in the second half. You watch him if he's down. Um, Tunch has pointed out this many a couple of times during the last year's uh, you know when we when the Steelers played the Patriots. You can see Brady looking at the clock and starting to feel that, that little bit of pressing. That's the only way you get to him. He's in his mind. He's clipping off how many series he's got left in a game, and that's the only time I've ever seen Tom Brady kind of give you that impression. He's pressing a little when he gets down and it's getting towards the, the end of this, you know, midway through the second half, and you know that he's just counting his series because he wants that ball. He thinks he can score any time. So. Yeah, I think running the ball is so huge because once you keep him sitting over there for a period of time, that's the best way to defend against what he's doing. What's your take on the Chris Boswell situation, Wolf? Uh, he's missed 11 kicks this year, and they tried out other kickers, but Boswell kept his job. Uh, he'd better not miss against New England because th- there's a bit of a pressure, not just on Boswell now, but on whoever made that decision. There's no question, um, and I still I still believe in, in in Boswell. I believe that he's got a, he still has the capability of working his way through it. Just because you bring in um, a couple of veteran kickers and you try them out, and there's a reason those guys are still out there this late into the year. Just switching kickers for the sake of switching kickers is not going to get you success. You've got to have some sort of plan in mind. One of the things that they did was they got themselves Sean Sweezum in to work with him, which, number one, in, in my mind, is a great move simply because you've got somebody now right by your side talking to you who understands what it's like to have to go out there with a the game on the line. And he's been there and done that, being the, uh, Sean. So uh, this helps a guy like Chris Boswell. He can talk to somebody who understands and who's got an eye in the film and in live kicking to see what you're doing mechanically that's going wrong. Because somewhere between the years, down to that right foot, there's a disconnect, and, and Boz can reconnect. You don't simply lose the ability. Uh, you know, after three years, he's what? He was 85 of 95, and then suddenly you've got 11 kicks missed in one year. Well, 
that's that tends to be more of the between the ear stuff. And I think bringing in Sean, having an attempt at somebody like that working with him, this is a good move, and uh, we'll see where we go from here. Now, understand also that Guskowski on the other side, he's missed uh, three kicks in the last couple of weeks that he hasn't missed, you know, very very much at all over the last several years. Well, he's got a little bit of a tweak going on himself, so who knows what could come out of this weekend. Tomlin is 2-7 and seven against New England, and Ben is 3-6. and six. Why do the Patriots have the Steelers' number? Is it just a matter of the, Steel- the Patriots being better, Wolf, or, or is that kind of a head thing for the Steelers, too? You know, it's interesting because matchups are always they're great. Uh, you, they're, they're so individual. The, the matchups on a team can can favor one or the other. You know, in boxing, um, styles make the matchups, make the fights. You know, and the same thing I think happens in football. And one of the greatest matchups is is a guy who I think is the goat, and that's Tom Brady. You know, I mean, this is a guy who has just absolutely been a phenomenal performer uh, throughout his his career. And I think he's the lead dog, and I think people buy in behind him. And he really does a great job of dispersing the ball around and, and, and being the man out there. Uh, you got to hand it to Belichick. He's, he's a great coach. He's got great results. I think that the favorability of playing the uh, AFC East um, is, is a favorable thing for them because, you know, they pretty much run through the division without getting all beat up. But, uh, you know, they just love to come into Pittsburgh, and they love to go against the Steelers. And uh, I've been told by a number of guys from other teams, there's something special about coming to the Berg and trying to put that pelt on your wall. But uh, New England does it pretty well, and you got to hand it to them. They're very good at it. There was a lot more hype for Brady versus Rodgers uh, back at the beginning of November than there is for Brady versus Ben this week. Why is that? Because that kind of sticks in my craw, Wolf, because... To win a big game, I'd rather have Ben than Rodgers. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know why the national media would, would go with that. You know, I just think Ben's, uh, I think he's great. You know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to wear that gold jacket. I think it's I mean, a great so is Rodgers, but i just like to see a little a little parallel hype, you know? Well, there, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, because it's a national media thing, I, who knows, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is is a, is a is a great player in his own right and will be a Hall of Famer and all those things. But you know, for some reason, Ben always seems to be just a notch below the Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know why because he's certainly got statistics uh, and he's got the rings to to compete. And um, you know, it, it's beyond me, beyond my capabilities to understand why he would draw the all the rave reviews and, and not Ben, but. So be it. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe Ben just flies under the radar and comes out and clubs Brady and the Patriots <laughs> this weekend. You know, that's what I'm looking for because you never know. That's what's so great about this game. They can, you can turn it, you can get it done this weekend and re- and rectify a lot of wrongs. Well, before we wrap things up, some sad news. Uh, Bill Fralick passed today. He was from your era. Uh, he was a very good offensive lineman and a real good guy. What memories do you have of Bill? You know, he's just, he's a special guy. I remember coming to Pittsburgh and hearing about this young man uh, from Penn Hills. And, and, uh, actually I, I had a relative who wrestled him in high school. I, I don't know if a lot of people remember. He was a, he was real good wrestler. at that too. What's that? He was real good at that too. Yeah. Well, my relative, uh, who was a decent size of his own self went out on the mat with him in high school. And about of the one minute that he survived, Bill Fralick 
45, he said, was spent simply running around like Bill's trying to play freeze tag with him. He was just trying to stay away from the grip of Bill Fralick. And then the final uh, 13 seconds was just getting slammed to the mat and, and pounded. Um, Bill was a great, great athlete. He was a great football player. I know that he loved his community. He was very active both here in Pittsburgh and, and down in Atlanta. Everybody that you talk to talk about the specialness of the man that he is, the man that he was, and uh, the friend that he was to all his uh, teammates in college, high school, and the pros. And uh, there's just not enough time really to say is all the good things about Bill Fralick that need to be said. He will be greatly missed, and God bless his family. I, uh, I just can't even imagine what they're going through at this point. Wolf, great stuff as always. Enjoy the game. We'll do it again soon, next week. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you. That is Craig Wolfley brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds, they're having trouble getting the Super Bowl halftime show together. I got a few suggestions. 105.9.